don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Welcome to Acting on the Run, the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to episode 19 of Acting on the Run. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a rating if you can. Um, If you would like to leave a comment, please do so as well. I would love to read it. I would love to respond to you. Um, anybody who wants to reach out to the podcast, if you don't want to leave a comment on a, um, on a public space, you can always reach out through the podcast email. That's actingontherun at AOL.com, A-C-T-I-N-G-O-N-T-H-E-R-U-N at AOL.com. Please feel free to tap in. And welcome. Welcome to episode 19. So we have a little bag-to-back. Um, we got another special guest in the building. Let me introduce this young woman who I have here sitting with me today. This young woman is beautiful, well-versed, hilarious, um, grounded, and through, through the conversations that I've had with her, I'm sure that you'll get something out of this episode just as I get something out of all of our conversations. Um, but Without further ado, let me introduce Ms. Camille Thomas. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to, before we jump into all of my uh, burning questions, I wanted to give you a second just to briefly introduce yourself to the audience just so that they know who we're talking to before I start asking you all these questions. Okay. Well, my name is Camille um, I've met you at our mutual part-time. You don't need to say it out loud because they're not sponsoring this, but... They need to. They need to, you know, cut the check. But um, I, my, like, day job before the writer's strike was a key assistant location manager. Um, I would basically find locations. Um, that's pretty self-explanatory. I would scout. I would figure out logistics once we actually get the space that we're filming at um, and just, you know, run point um, on those types of shoots. So that's kind of like my day job, and that's pretty much, I feel like, enough to go off of. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you because I was doing, like I told you, I was doing my research, trying to, you know, figure out what exactly... I wanted to ask and what I want to speak about. Um, but first, I'll start with where are you from um, originally? I'm from Carson, California. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's the South Bay. I like to call it like the bougie cousin of uh, Compton because we're right next door. Okay. We're really, you know, we're just as <laughs> we can cut up too, but it's really not like that, honestly. I should probably redact that. We really don't cut up like that. <laughs> <laughs> we wish, though. Okay, Carson. Okay. Um, what did you do uh, down in Carson? Because I don't think I've ever spent any time in Carson. And, you know, um, I grew up on the East Coast. So uh, I was split between Michigan and, um, and Miami, Florida. Okay. So coming from that, 
you know, um, I really don't know all the ins and outs about, you know, what goes on in all the areas here. But um, in Carson, what were some of the things that you were um, into, I guess, um, coming up? Um, well, like, to be honest, like, Carson is not, um, so it's like 15 miles south of L.A. So it's just like when I was a kid. Is going, it past Long Beach? Uh, no, it's before Long Beach. Is it past Gardena? Uh, it's right next door to Gardena. Right next to Gardena. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because um, real quick, shout out to my stylist, uh, Seishi. She's down in um, down in Gardena. Yeah, stylist? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I need a, my budget. You know, we big time now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. Um, yeah, so like Carson, like I wouldn't be able to do any like the performing arts stuff that I really wanted to do as a kid. So um, my parents would take me to L.A. to do all that type of stuff. And that would happen, like, in the, like, West Adams District area of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Carson's claim to fame is our Ikea and that um, Goodyear blimp. That's, like, the main thing I could tell people who are not from Carson who would be like, what do you do in Carson? I'm like, well, you'd have to come down here for the Ikea. We're the closest one. And that Goodyear blimp. So other than that, I don't really know what to do. What does the people. Goodyear blimp like fly over there? Yeah. Or is it stationed there it's or something? stationed there and it flies over. <laughs> flies over the IKEA and everything is beautiful. It's just like, oh, this is so sweet. <laughs> so like I don't know. Like other than that, like I don't know what to tell like somebody who's not from there mm-hmm. about Carson. Cause it's, you know, I just feel like it's kind of like I know you have like you're from, you said like Florida and Michigan. And Michigan mm-hmm. So it's just like I know there's like certain things that just happen there in those different pockets that you can't really explain to other people. Like, you know, unless you're there, it's just like That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, about your beginning. Um, let me ask you, how did you get your start in the entertainment industry? Um, this is kind of a a, a loaded question. Um, so I'll give you time to answer, but how did you get into it and then was it your first um career choice? Um like, yeah, it is a loaded question. So, like, you mean, like, my interest as a kid or more so, like, my um, day no, no. job now? No, no, no. Um, as far as getting into the entertainment industry. Okay, so, like, my day job. Yeah. Yeah. So, doing that, um, how did you, did you first know that, okay, this is what what I want to do as a kid? Or did you, you know, do something else and then, like, something happened and kind of pushed you into, you know, wanting right. to be in this industry? Right. Uh, no, like, so... Um, I graduated um, from school. I went to school for a theater arts major, um, concentration in acting. What school did you go to? I went to Howard. Hey, um, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, so I graduated from there and I came back and I'm serving. My ba- like my background there was like um, serving and bartending. So I came back here, bartended. I ended up meeting um, a college friend, had a cousin out here, and she worked at UCLA in the events section. And she actually looked out for me when um, the location manager for um, the show Dear White People uh, was there and they were filming there. He was really impressed with her work and he knew that he needed an assistant or an intern. And he asked her, she said no, because at that time she was really um, content with working um, at UCLA. She preferred that. So she let me know about the opportunity. I interviewed for it. I ended up getting it. And that was kind of like my start because I was an intern on, I think I started with Casual. Um, it was like a TV show for Hulu. So mm-hmm. I started that with them. What year was this? Show. Uh, I, 2017. Okay. I think 2017, yeah. 
That's yeah. that's awesome. So like yours is kind of well, not just like mine, but um, the way that I got into the entertainment industry is that I can't even remember, you know, if I um, submitted or auditioned for this part, but I happened to get a call one day about doing a KFC commercial um, down in Miami. It was with uh, a production called um, M8. Okay. And that's down in like the uh, Brickle area, if they're still there. Um, but I just got the call one day, um, showed up at the call time, you know, had the chicken everywhere. Uh, it was about four of us um, performing. Um, and what was crazy was that they had us grouped in couples. So it was me and it was this other um, black girl. And then it was a white couple. And like, that's how they had us grouped for the commercial. And so that was, you know, that was my foot in the door. And I did that, took maybe about three or four hours, got paid. And I was like, you know what? This might be it. <laughs> That's hilarious. This might be it. Um, but so what was your first um, career choice, if not in the entertainment industry? Um, well, I used to, like, I used to really love to debate. Um, so I honestly, like, as a kid, not knowing, like, anything, like, logistics and how things really worked, mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, I want to be a lawyer and I also want to be an actor. I want to be a lawyer because the lawyers make money and actors don't make money. That was in my mind as a kid. <laughs> so, I mean, that was literally the first thing I could think of that I wanted to do. Um, but as I got into college and I was actually studying acting and the, the roles that I was, you know, having to do like in scene study, I was just realizing I was way more interested in writing. Um, so, and I even wrote my audition piece. I didn't like what I found online. So I took like the skeleton of it and I rewrote that. And they were trying to figure out who, like, where'd you find this? That's creative. <laughs> yeah, it's like, That's where'd creative. you find this monologue? I'm like, oh, it's from da 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 play. And I saw one of them write it down. They're like, this is not from the play. Like, this is a whole other monologue. <laughs> this is something you made up. <laughs> this is something I made up. But they, I, they let it rock. I got in. So that's kind of like in in pieces, I guess, answering your question. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm glad that you spoke on yourself as a writer. Um, being a writer, just out of curiosity, um, have you written anything that, uh, that the audience may be um, familiar with? Definitely or? not yet. Definitely not. Mm -mm. It's in the works, though. I, it's definitely yeah. in the works. Yeah, I would hope to have something eventually that people would know, but... Um, you wouldn't know anything that I've written thus far. That's right. Okay. No. Let me ask you then, um, who or what inspired you to actually get into writing? Because as a writer, I know that you have to give, you know, all of, you know, your emotion and ideas to, you know, what you put down on script. So um, who or what inspired you to actually want to, you know, put, you know, put yourself out there like that? Um. I feel like I, like that's kind of, because I started writing just out of like, because I just didn't really like what I had presented to me. So I would just do my own thing and rewrite that. But when I realized I wanted to be a writer was like after college for real, like college I was starting to understand like, oh no, I'm a writer. But graduating and being out like, just in LA, like for the first time, like trying to pursue a career, I was just realizing like, this isn't as fulfilling and writing just 
was always way more fulfilling for me, even if I didn't get anything like, you know, shot or anything. I just like knowing that I was productive with my day because I have certain things on the page that I could refer back to and improve on. Mm -hmm. um, and then I joined a comedy, what you call it, improv team. And I was able to write sketches and scripts with them. And so I feel like... That's so cool that you were able to do that. Um, I don't mean to cut you no, off, but I actually applied for a sketch comedy group. Okay. And they rejected me. Oh. And I was so hurt because um, I contacted them because I wanted to act and write. Okay. So I was like, hey, you know, if you can bring me on as an actor, cool. If you can bring me on as a writer, cool too. Right. And so the first one that they asked me about was writing. Mm -hmm. And so, but I've never been, well, okay. I've always been a writer, you know, you know, uh, on my own, but I've never actually tried to write for a production or for um, any type of improv group or, or a theater company. And so... They asked me, oh, can you send over a sample of your writing? First thing popped in my head was, okay, let me just write a story real quick. So I sent them over like a narrative. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, 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 no. This isn't, no. Can you send it over in script form? So then that whole narrative I wrote, had to toss that out the window. Yeah. Because it wasn't written, you know, to be broken down like a script. It was just a short yeah. story. And so then I went and... um. I actually reflected to a situation that happened on the train. And so I used that as like my basis and I wrote out a script. Um, it was called um it was called The Minions. Oh, okay. It was called The Minions. Um I'll let you read it, but I I I thought it was so funny because when I saw the situation actually happen in person, like in real life, mm -hmm. in, in my head, I was cracking up. And so I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to use. And so wrote it, sent it, and they're like, oh, you know, um, we'll hold on to your script, but we're not going to be able to bring you on right now. And that was it. And so kind of disappointing because I put like a lot of work and effort, especially with like a fast turnaround because right. I, I, like, I put it all together within like a day or two. Right. And so... It was kind of disappointing for me. Yeah. Did they give you any other feedback like to go off of for no. your script? No. All they said was, we'll hold on to it and we'll be in touch, you know, if we can bring you on in the future. I can't remember the name of the group, but... Okay. Yeah. Well, what, like, um, I I used to be with uh, UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. Mm -hmm. um, I was with the one on Sunset before they closed down with the pandemic. Where where were you? I would like... Well, I wasn't... Anywhere, but oh, okay. But the name of the group, um, oh, I'll tell it to you. The group. I thought they were with like a school, like uh... no, they weren't with the school. Oh, okay. They cool. were their own private, uh, private entity, but they okay. ran their, uh, they ran their group out of a theater. Um, all the details of it is not coming to me right okay. now, but um, so what? Um, as far as as far as genres in entertainment, what's your favorite genre to watch? Definitely comedy. I would definitely say comedy. Do you have a favorite um, comedian? Um, I have a lot of favorite comedians. Um, like, well, when it comes to stand-up, that's separate. But, like, as far as the films go, I really love Eddie Murphy's, catalog like, you know, filmography. I think that he has the best. So he writes all of his, too? No. Oh, okay. No, but he just has the just, I, I don't know if it's, like, it's kind of like Rihanna, like how Rihanna just has a really great taste, like mm -hmm. of music. It's not like she's the writer of it, but she just like knows like what's going to work 
and what suits her talents. Mm -hmm. I think Eddie Murphy, in the weird way, I'm making comparison with Rihanna and Eddie Murphy, but it works here. Um, Eddie Murphy has, like, just really great um, sense of, like, what works for him and what doesn't, you know? Do you have a favorite Eddie Murphy? Uh, what? Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Murphy picture? <laughs> oh, what's my favorite? Oh, Okay, so the one he did uh, more recently, Dolomite, like his kind of like comeback, I thought was like amazing. It made me cry, made me laugh, everything. So I really, really love that, like for recent work. Maybe all, t like it's hard because I feel like he has such great performances throughout. Yeah, and but he's he had such classics. One. Dang, if I had to choose one. That you always go to. Something that I've rewatched so many times is what you have up here is the Nutty Professor. Yes, I rewatched that over and over and over and over and again. That actually is a work of art because um, getting into being on set and seeing him go in and out of how many characters did he play? Uh, he played the professor, the mom, the uncle, the grandma, the dad, the dad, yeah. and, and to go buddy, buddy, buddy love, mm -hmm. to go out of you know, five, six different characters, mm -hmm. man, and, and basically have conversations with yourself. Yeah. It's that, sick. That's so impressive. It's that's really so crazy. impressive. You know what my favorite one of his is? What? I know I have the Nate Professor up there, and that's one of them. Uh-huh. But my secret favorite what? is Norbit. Really? I love Norbit. Oh. Take the test. Take the test in the case of the little baby. Well, the test says that is how you doing? Oh, wow. Wow. I love Norville. Love Norville. I hope he's happy to hear that because I know that that was... a little baby. How you doing? I love Norville. I love Norville. That's so funny. Oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Did you know, Um, I have a, a, a little side note because when I was trying to um, put everything together, did you know that there's... Uh, a couple, um, Camille Thomas is out there, and one of them is a famous um, cellist out of France. Yeah, I just actually, thought that was a cool, like, yeah. fun fact. Yeah, I've actually, like, I've cool. looked up my name before, and I've seen that. I'm like, oh, lovely. And then the Camille movie, like, I've seen that. Like, it's like a, a really old, like, 1930s movie. Who's in it? Anybody I want to know? No, it's just like a... If you if you didn't know like glamour like the glamour age of Hollywood, it's mm -hmm. like one of those actresses from that time period. Okay. But, yeah. I'm glad you went back to that time period because um I didn't have this written down, but have you ever heard but um going back to like nineteen thirties, thinking back then, um, did you ever hear about um what's the guy's name? It was a black actor, uh he was actually the first like major Black actor, uh, well, Sidney Poitier, no, or Harry Belafonte. I'm thinking comedy. Um, oh, okay. What's his name? I was just looking at, looking at him. Um, it's a comedian. A lot of people, you know, mm. Bill Cosby talk talk down on him because Step Richard and Fetch. Pryor. Oh, Step and Fetch. Oh, okay. That's what I was trying to think of. Okay, I was I, like, I know he had a beef with Richard at a point. But. Have you ever seen? Any of his stuff or like heard about his story and his situation? No, no, I haven't. Enlighten me. Okay, so um, Step and Fetch It, he was a, uh, he was a comedian. Uh -huh. And a lot of people, um, Bill Cosby actually, back in the day, did a whole, I think it was like, um, I think it was on like 60 Minutes or something, but he did a whole segment about how um, his, his portrayal 
of black people and the black culture is what, you know, is um, disrespectful because um, um, Step and Fetch It, the role that he played, like, he would play up these black stereotypes of being, like, real lazy, being, talking with a real slow draw. Oh I actually know um, a story about that. No, because he would, he actually, like, uh, would pick up the phone and he had, like, he was a really distinguished gentleman. Like, isn't that the person you're speaking about? Step and fetch it? Yeah, he had a, like, the personality that he played on screen was completely different than actually who he was. Yeah. As a person, he was like, as very, a person, he was smart. He, he was very well mannered, yes. Um, I think he wrote for, uh, what, what was it? It was a, um, it was a paper out in, uh, out in Chicago. I can't think of the name of it. Um, I want to say um, Chicago Tribune, but I don't think it was the Tribune. Um, it might have been like the Chicago Defender. It was some, um, um, some publication yeah. back then, but yeah, but he did that, and so um, he would play these roles because those those at that time in the '30s, mind you, right. those were the only roles apparently that were being given, like those roles. And mm-hmm. then um, um, there was this uh, there was a famous woman I can't think of her name. Maybe you know her name, Hattie McDaniel. But she played a lot of like mammy roles. Yeah, Hattie McDaniel. Okay, yeah. I remember seeing something that she wrote where she was saying how, you know, because people were getting on her, getting on um, Step and Fetch It right. for, you know, putting that, putting those um, stereotypes out there. Right. And so what she said was, well, I'd rather play a maid for, and at that time, um, $700 a week mm-hmm. rather than actually be a maid for $7 a week. Right. You mm-hmm. know? And... I really felt that because out here, um, going through auditions and going through like you know the monotonous things that at times um, I'll have to do on set or part of a or a part of a production, I can understand that mindset of okay, well you know if if they gonna pay me to do this, right. you know, and I know that this isn't really me, mm-hmm. but you know this is what they want me to do, and they gonna pay me, okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's just kind of hard because, you know, that was a whole a time period where we weren't allowed. We didn't have our own, like, spaces to assume roles that we want to actually see. Um, we were very marginalized. We still are marginalized. I'm not trying to say it's all over. But the fact that um, that was really their only choice. If she wasn't going to play that, they weren't, they weren't going to give her the roles that a Dorothy Dandridge would get. You know, um, and Dorothy Dandridge was still very limited in her roles, you know, so was Diane Carroll in that time period. So, you know, there were so many women, it's just like they're they're pigeonholed in a certain type of lane just because of their race. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting, like taking that conversation further to the 1970s when you have the black exploitation films, and then people are upset how we're represented as like pimps, hoes, prostitutes. And my favorite person of all time, like Pam Greer. You know, she dealt with a lot of backlash, which is choosing to, you know, she was the queen of that era, you know, like. I've seen some of Pam Greer's stuff and like her stuff didn't really seem negative, you know. That's but people At least really. In my eye. Yeah, yeah. But people really gave her a hard time about it because they wanted to see like, you know, this was out of this. This was the 70s. This is outside of like us, you know, we. 60s we marched and everything like that we're getting you know have our rights we're trying to have a different image and it's just so hard like with being black in the entertainment industry or just being anything other than white you don't you don't feel like every side of you is represented 
So if you see one part of you or one piece of our culture being represented and highlighted and spotlighted, it feels like an attack on everybody else. Like no other types of uh, experiences are valid. It's like you guys only see us as that, mm -hmm. you know? So with the black exploitation films, like I feel like, I feel like black people were just kind of upset that that's like the spotlight representation of what America sees us as. But uh, it's hard because I, I, the movies were enjoyable. Like, and I think that it's hard because it's just like, you can't deny an aspect of yourself just because it doesn't look like, you know, like what you want it to be or represent it from everybody else is still a It's part not what of you our, would present first, at least. Right, but it's just, it's hard because if you don't have like, uh, another representation like the Claudine movie with um, with uh, James Earl Jones and Diane Carroll, like that dealt with the welfare system and it dealt with. Um, I actually saw Claudine. Yeah, it was James it, Earl Jones was like in real good shape in that movie. Yeah, I remember, I remember. yeah, like so you have that type of you know story being told, and then you have the other side of like black exploitation films with Cornbread, Earl and Me, and you know it dealt with like inner city like strife and like these kids like trying to do better and mm -hmm. ends up getting caught up in that same lifestyle, but it presented a different way. They're not like hoodlums, they're not like street dudes and mm -hmm. stuff like that all throughout. So. I think it's just hard when you just have one role or one representation. Like everybody else feels like they're not being seen, and and that's what makes it so hard. I don't think it's just the fact that it's just the one thing that makes it so bad. It's just the fact that we don't get to see everything all at once. Like think about it now, we only have like one it girl. We have one like when a man rises up in Hollywood, we only have one of them. Mm -hmm. Like Jonathan Majors, he's going down now. Like before him. It was uh, Nat, Nate Turner. Was it? He did the Nate Turner film. What was it? What was his name? Nate Turner. Remember, he did the Birth of a Nation remake movie for Nate Turner. I know Nat Turner. I know the movie, but I can't think of like the actual actor who actually played it. Um, Man. But Nat Turner Slays Rebellion. It was. It, but, anyways, I'm just saying, like, we only have one, and that's what it. What people I feel like get really upset about where it's just like we need to have everybody in all fields represented for people to feel like okay I'm cool with that getting a spotlight right now because everything else gets a spotlight too but let me ask you um because as an actor a lot of a lot of roles that I'll be offered um will, will either be like I'll either play like a thug or a, um or a gangster or an athlete mm -hmm. um I've gotten other roles, but like as far as the majority of them, I get a lot of like athlete, a lot of like, you know, thug roles, a lot of like, you know, um, maybe not even a thug, but like, you know, just um, like a kind of like a hoodlum role. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I, I take the roles because those are what are, you know, presented to me. Right. And so thinking back to back in the day, I kind of feel, you know, I can kind of see why these uh, black actors would take those roles, even though they may, even though they like, you know, uh, kind of fit a stereotype. But it's like, if that's all that they're offering you, you know, what can you do? Right. You. And even now, you know, um, some of the roles that I'll be offered, it's like I don't want to do like. Um, I've been offered to uh, to do a role again, um, playing a crip. And it's like, I don't mind it, you know, because it's work, so I don't mind it. 
Right. You know, but it's like, what am I to do? Do I, you know, say, no, I'm not going to play this role. I'm not going to play this role. Um, and and kind of like shut myself out to, okay, I'm only going to do this or I'm only going to do that. I feel like that that would be limiting myself. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Like, should I, you know, um, stand pat more or, you know, not just me, but anybody listening, if they want to get into um, acting and entertainment, like, would you suggest that they, you know, take what's available to them or, you know, you know, stand firm on, you know, no, I'm not going to do this or no, I'm not going to play, you know, this role. Um, well, I mean, I feel like it's whatever course you want to take, because if you decide to take the role, like you're going to go with the the system or the, the plan that's ahead of you, you know, and you just have to like, you know, play the game until you can change the rules. You right. Know? So then going back to like those old actors, do you think that well, you they weren't they gonna were, be able to do that, you know, because racism, you know, and it was just, it's still here, but it's just like, they had a completely different time period that they were working in. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they can just like build up and then they'll have their own production company and they'll be booming. Like, they were truly limited. And I don't blame them for taking what they could get, you know? Mm-hmm. I And if anything, I think we should thank actors like that um, who really. You know, like, I feel like we're indebted to them because they were, they allowed us to at least be seen in some aspect, you know, on film. Um, it wasn't the representation that we obviously all wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And we we were obviously capable of way more and we're doing way more, but you still need somebody to start. You know, you send somebody out there and to be the first ones, they're not going to be able to bring it all home and do it all right, you know, for you. But they're the first ones to, like, lay the ground for you. And their work is the reason why things are possible for other actors to come through and and reach more heights. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they made the ultimate sacrifice to me. Um, So I have nothing but respect for actors, for those actors and the people who came before and had to do those types of roles. Mm -hmm. Because now it's like we've kind of upgraded, even though it's like the... The roles that you're talking about, the athletes and gangbangers and stuff like that. In a way, it's like we're repeating the same thing. Obviously, it's a stereotype of like That's what the I was role. To say. Yeah, but it's, so you could either decide, hey, I'm gonna go into it. I'm gonna be the best stereotype, and I'm gonna find my way. I'm gonna find my niche. I'm about to be on power. I'm about to be on. But then here. now I'm stepping fetching. No, but no, but then it's just like you, you have an opportunity now to pivot. Like you didn't have the op- he didn't have the opportunity to pivot. If you get so good in this industry, doing one thing, build up capital, build up esteem, you can find a way to pivot. People will, I, at least I believe in that. Like, you have more options now because of them. And But if you don't want to go that route, that's where writing is so important, where you have to create the role that you want to see yourself casted as. But that obviously takes way more work, way more effort, because you're going to have to put in your time, your effort, your energy, your money. It's all you. Yeah, it's all you, you know? So it's just like, and then you have to figure out how are people actually going to see this? How are people going to actually watch this and all this type of stuff? So, I mean, if you want to go against, yeah, if you want to go this, against the system, more power to you is just going to be a longer and harder road, you know? If you want to, you know, go within what, you know, Hollywood is telling you to do, I, I hope that you get your money and that you can pivot. That's, I mean, that's the only options, honestly. Um, for writing, I want to go back to that a little bit. Um, what, what, uh, what is your favorite to actually write for? Um, I know that you said that we, uh, that we can't actually view it yet at this point, but at, 
as far as with your work that you do um, submit um, for production and that you are planning to, um, what is your uh, what is your genre that you're looking to um, go into? Uh, definitely just comedy. Um, I I think comedy is the the hardest uh, to master. Um, I think it's the most enjoyable. Um, I would love to get into romantic comedies as well. I've done one romantic comedy film, a feature with two other writers that I was able to get on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's just the funnest to me. And it's like the movies that I enjoy watching the most when I was a kid. So Other comedies? Yeah, comedies and romantic comedies. I loved all of Queen Latifah's movies. I love all the Whoopi Goldberg movies. She was just straight comedy. She had some romance in her stuff. Um, and then Jennifer Lopez is the queen of romance. So, I know that right now um, out here, there's the uh, Writers Guild strike going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll see them picketing out front of um, multiple different um, studios. Have you ever been out there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what's your thoughts um, on the Writers Guild strike? Because um, for me, on the outside looking in, um, I don't really know all the details of it, but what's your thoughts on it? Um, and has it, you know, personally affected you? It's definitely affected me. Definitely. Um, but I support the writers. I think everything that they're asking for is extremely fair, extremely reasonable. Um, it's very sad that it's had to come to this, um, where they really... How did it start? Um um, not to cut you off, but like a couple a couple episodes ago um, on the podcast, I briefly um, touched on it when it first started. Right. I briefly, you know, uh, because work for me as an actor has slowed down mm-hmm. because for a while, especially at the start of the year, I was working like maybe two or three times a month. And that may not sound like a lot, but, you know, it is a lot, um, at least to me. Yeah, getting books is, is a good, you know. Exactly. And so, like, you know, I had a little flow going, a little rhythm, and then it just stopped. But uh, mm-hmm. why, you know, um, and all that I knew about it was from, I just assumed that it was with pay. And I had heard somebody say uh, something about how it had to do with, like, the... Uh, the residuals. The residuals from, like, um, streaming. streaming and stuff like that. Yeah, can you uh, can you go into that a little bit? Because I... Yeah, it's just from what I know, like, I was well, I was way more researched at the beginning because I was just like, it was like doomsday approaching where I was just like finding out so much stuff, but I've had to like let go of that and, you know, kind of just like, you know, realize that's nothing I can control. So I'm kind of spacey on all the details, but from what I do remember, it's that they are... Um, just asking for a fairness and wage when it comes to streaming. They literally, their streaming checks from what I've seen is it's really a joke. Um, they should be able to have um, bigger writing rooms because they've they've brought the writing rooms down into like mini rooms. So the work that like a let's say a ten person normally they would have 10 people um, writing for mm-hmm. the whole season. They brought it down to many rooms where it's now five people doing that okay. in a room. And it's like the same amount of work though, that they're requiring of the five people of the 10. Mm. So they've just, they've literally just like doubled everybody's work 
and they've made more money because they're just like, oh, we didn't have to pay 10 people. We only paid five. Yeah. And then they're not also, they're, they're also trying to get onset experience because the way the writers can move up to become a showrunner, producers and all that type of stuff, they need to have the experience on set to be able to see like, hey, like this needs to be rewritten now, da, da, da. But there's a different fee attached to that because you're not, um, the writer's get paid something from being like, you know, doing their thing in the writer room, but then being on set, it's a whole different thing. But a lot of them are not giving that opportunity um, to even be on set. So when it comes down to, it's just a, it's a money thing, you know, it's, it's just all comes down to, to money. Mm -hmm. So it's just like when it comes down to them, like trying to transition and pivot, like to become a showrunner or something like that, they're like, you know, looking at their experiences, like, oh, you don't have on-set experiences, like, well, yeah, you wouldn't give it to me, because <laughs> you said that, you know, like, it's it's kind of, it's a very lose-lose situation that they've been in for a mm-hmm. minute, mm-hmm. and um, I think at the end of the day, it's just like, we wouldn't have any of this content without a writer, without a creative, and for them to be given the short end of the stick, it's just really, it's just really disgusting, um, to me, honestly, I really hope that it gets uh, resolved very quickly. It doesn't seem like it will, though. Mm-hmm. To be honest, just hearing the bits that I do hear, and I try to stay away from it as much as possible. But, um, yeah, it's not... They're not asking for something egregious. It's not like they're asking for Maybachs and Rose Royces on set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're just asking to be able to, like, feed their families like everybody else can from one job and not have to do like a hustle, you know, to maintain and keep the lights on. I feel that because yeah. I swear, like that's all all that I want is to be able to say, you know, land in a situation to where it's the okay, boom, I can, you know, work this role or I can, you know, I can do this or that and then not necessarily have to worry about, okay, uh, I can only do this for a couple hours because now I got to bank it over here, you know, because I got to do a couple hours here. Yeah. You know, um, because that, that makes it, a whole lot harder. Um, not to say that it can't be done because anybody's gonna do what they have to do, but um, it would make it a whole lot easier if if it was able to be like that, where it's like, okay, everybody can get taken care of so that you can focus on this. And so, yeah. Um, wh- why did it start though? Why did they, you know, why did they change that from, you know, cutting back and like, why did that start? Was it like a reason why it started or did it just come out of nowhere kind of? Cause for me, uh-huh. it kind of came out of nowhere because I had no idea that this was even going on. Even with like last year leading up into this year, leading up into this strike, I had no idea until it actually, you know, hit. Oh, okay. Well, I could say, cause I'm not in the union. Um, I've just been hearing from people who are in the union about stuff, but uh-huh. I know from my perspective for locations, Um, Just to give you an understanding of like the studios and what they were already preparing for, pilot season is January through March. And normally, well, two years ago, like the kind of normal is like 100 or so pilots being ordered. Mm -hmm. This past year was 20 something pilots. They were very prepared for this to like, for them to not have a deal done with the writers because they would... If they had the 100, that's like showing good faith. Like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make a deal because we bought these pilots and we are going to want, like, some of these to actually go through a full season and order another season. So, of course, you need writers for that. Um, So my industry saw the slowdown in the pilot season where people are... This year's pilot season? Yes, this year's pilot season, January through March, where things, anybody who is, you know, who has any 
union standing would be able to find work just like that normally. But during this year, it was very like, who, hey, is... Oh, so that was like a red flag? Yeah, that was gotcha. like, whoa, like, what's going on? So that's, for us, that's when we realized, like, oh, this is really going bad. You know, it's not going to be, like, a quick situation where they're going to get what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, to me, when I've realized, yeah. Because I've seen, too, that uh, that um, SAG is, you know, pending to, um, to, um, to jump into it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and... As far as like my status with SAG, I'm I'm there, but I'm kind of I haven't actually joined into SAG. Like I've been able to get my credits to be able to be uh what do you call it um eligible eligible yeah mm-hmm. I've been able to get my credits to be eligible, but I've been kind of you know waving on if I wanted to actually get into the union. Um, mm-hmm. so that's something that I'm personally um, going back and forth with. But I have seen that they're talking about um, joining the strike, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure you know what the uh, what the basis for it is. You know, I know that it has to be because work has slowed down a little bit. Uh-huh. But as far as like what SAG is looking for, you know, I haven't heard about that either. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if. You know, the actors didn't get what they wanted, what they negotiated for. I feel like that would be a really, like, I'm like, I'm shook. If SAG doesn't get what they asked for, I don't know. I don't know, y'all. It's not looking good. I'm changing industries. I got to figure this out. <laughs> but um, j- just to kind of uh, cap off that, um, if someone listening is interested in having a career in writing, what would you say would be their first step? Because I know that there's multiple steps and like you kind of hit one and then like, you know, other steps will follow after that. But if you had to suggest like that first step, what would that first step be to somebody who, you know, is dreaming of, I would like to, you know, write in Hollywood? It's hard because I feel like I'm not really qualified to give an answer for it, but I'll do my best. No, you qualify. You started. Well, yeah, but it's just like you can't click on Hulu or Netflix to see my stuff. You know, I'm still trying to get something done. So Don't be so humble. It's a reality. (laughs) It's just a fact check. Um, But I really feel like the best thing you can do is probably if if you're like me, I feel like you should join a class, you know? I like my first thing into like comedy writing was joining a sketch class. I went to UCB for that. I ended up um, befriending somebody in the class who was attached to um, a comedy group. And that's how I joined. So it was just proximity, being in the room, you know, vibing with people, you know, that might help someone who's just like really lost and needs a basis on like how to get started. I feel like you should find a community. Um, but if you're like really single and solo, like there's great stuff like Masterclass, you could look that up, you know, and, you know, buy that, you know, cause they have like Shonda Rhimes is on there giving Masterclasses. Um, so I'm just, you know, just spitballing that you just need to start something and have either community or have resources that you can refer back to on how to actually grow as mm-hmm. a writer. Cause you need to have some type of, um, well, I'm saying like some type of honing, you know. What do you mean by honing? Um, just like actors have their own um, like classes you go to, like for scene scene study, and you have an acting coach that tells you, "I need you to try try the line with a little bit more joy. Try the line like this. Or try you know like you need to have somebody who's looking at your work, or having a different perspective to say, "Hey, like." 
Uh, Shonda Rhimes suggested this. Am I mm-hmm. doing this in my script? Let me go back. Um, you know, like, I think because you don't know what you're doing. So you need to really be clear. Hey, like, I need some outside feedback on what I got going on, you know? I appreciate feedback, too. A lot of times I don't get the feedback, but I appreciate it, though, yeah. when I do get it, because it does definitely help. It does definitely help. Um, I want to pivot from uh, from writing a little bit, and I want to jump into a little bit, because I know that you're big on health and wellness as well. Mm-hmm. Um, have you always been... Uh, uh, has, have you always been big on health and wellness, or did um, or did something actually um, push you into it? Yeah, no, I was not always big on health and wellness at all. Um, I feel like what really pushed me into it was probably the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was like probably the worst time in my life. 2020, 2021 were like the worst years of my life. Why is that? Um, just so much devastation, like personally, my family with um, losing like a close friend. Um, it was just so it, it was just devastating. And also that was the first time I was um, really earning my stripes, like in locations by myself, like because I started with a particular manager and I was like really starting to see progress with getting um, getting books outside of him mm-hmm. and just learning and growing. And I was getting my like um, my hours in. I was moving up from a, a ALM, which is an assistant location manager, to a key assistant location manager. And that's a big deal because the key assistant is right below a location manager. Mm-hmm. So that pay is <laughs> a little bit nicer. It's you know bump. what I'm saying? It's a little bump, you know? Um, and also way more responsibility. So I was just starting to like really get into that when the pandemic hit. And I just remember the day when I was on set, I was like on this beautiful farm, looking at these little goats and stuff like that. I got a motel because it was so far from my place and I didn't want to drive home like all late at night and they paid for it and everything. And I was just like, man, I feel like all right, finally, I, I get this. And then we found out that Tom Cruise had COVID. And literally that next day was like, oh, no, we're wrapping production. Damn. It's COVID time. Like, And I was like, are you serious? That's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So all of that, like that, that devastation brought me to health and wellness because it was just like, I feel like that was my like, you know, ground zero or, you know, when you hit the bottom, like mm-hmm. when they talk about addicts or whatever. Like that was my like my lowest point, so it really helped me like get through a lot. So oh, so getting getting into your health and wellness that helps you get past what? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, it definitely helped. Um, hitting rock bottom—that's the word I was or phrase I was looking for. But yeah, it's um, because you just have different coping mechanisms now. You don't have to like me. I was really big on smoking, mm-hmm. like smoking weed, never to like. I rap tobacco, but I wasn't like a cigarette smoker. Just want to be clear with that. But smoking weed got me through everything, everything. I felt like I could numb every feeling. I won't feel anything. I just felt like so not at peace because you don't feel peace when you feel nothing. You feel nothing. You just are, you're numb. So for me, that was like, it was a big deal to transition from that being like my, like my safety to Mm -hmm. like, working out like I was not a person who enjoyed working out like consistently 
I enjoyed it like here and there where I'm just like, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm doing it for like a week or two yeah. and then nothing because I never also, I never lifted weights before. I was just doing like aerobic activities and I realized I'm not like a hit girl. Like I don't necessarily like the, what you call it, that Taekwondo, Taibo. Taibo like, and all that. Taibo. I'm yeah. not, I think Billy Blanks, he's good for like one or two sessions, but I can't, oh, I'm not finishing that whole DVD. You know what's funny? Back when I was in high school, my high school gym teacher, this had to be, I think, in the ninth or tenth grade. Uh-huh. So all of us are going into the class thinking, like, because usually in PE, usually, you know, the teachers would always come, um, bring the rack of balls out, bring the drunk ropes out, and be like, y'all go do y'all thing. Right. The, uh, like, from kindergarten all the way up to, like, ninth, tenth grade, that's... That's all I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. They would just open the gym and let you play. You know, we never took any tests, never had any, like, book study. It was never that. Uh-huh. And so that year, we all come in, and all, me and all my friends, we in the back thinking, okay, like, we're actually, like, picking teams because we thinking we're going to go and run a full court. Mm-hmm. She comes into class, and she's like, okay, uh, this semester, we're going to be studying Tybo. And she actually like broke down like oh wow Tybo and like um, what it was for, um, what it's supposed to do for you. Um, and she actually had us open up a health book and like we were actually like reading from the health book and learning like okay like what the uh, cardiovascular system does and like wow. she was she was really teaching yeah. But at that time we weren't really trying to learn that. Of course, we were just trying Y'all to play. Kids. Yeah. So it's like. Now, I appreciate her, but at that point, it was like, I ain't nobody trying. And, like, we were really in the gym, like, in line, like, doing Tybo. And I love that. Like, we were really doing it. And then, like, not only that, but after that, mm-hmm. the next sport that we went to after Tybo mm-hmm. was uh, badminton. Oh, okay. I had never played badminton wow. a day in my life. And mind you, this is in Miami, Florida. Um, I don't know a lot of badminton players in Miami, Florida. I don't know any, period. Period. And yeah. so, but... Getting um, getting that experience, it was nice to me. It was nice to me. That's really dope. What's your favorite thing um, to do as far as to, like, stay healthy? So, you know, for somebody that's out there trying to get on their health journey, what's, like, your, um, like your favorite thing to do? Um, because me, mine is running. I love to run. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I don't um, pick up a weight or do a crunch or something like that, um, as long as I can still run, I'm happy with that. Okay. What's yours? I'm definitely weightlifting. Just any type of weight, anything. I love to just lift heavy things. For some reason, like that was really like my thing. So, I, I it's weird because like when you're trying to get into like health and fitness, you think you have to like go to the gym or do something like like you said. Like if you're really good with just like running, like. You kind of have to like try a bunch of stuff to know like what you can really stick with because I never realized like, oh, I would actually like weightlifting. Like I didn't know that until I actually did it Mm because I just thought like, oh, no, that's for guys to get really bulk or bodybuilders who are like working on their physique. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't think that it was something for like everyday people like me that I would actually enjoy. So, yeah, because. For me, weightlifting, only time really that I'll do weightlifting now is if I'm, um, if I'm preparing like to, like, so say if I have a, um, a role come in where I have to play an athlete or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. then 
I'll jump into it and really like, you know, get to it because mm -hmm. I'm not that big now. So when I do lift now, um, it shows a whole lot faster. Okay. So it's like I'll wait and then, you know, then I'll kind of give myself a couple weeks to um to um get myself together. But previously in my past, I used to work out almost every day like two or three times a day cuz um being in sports and athletics has always been in my life. Yeah. And so I would always do it um yeah. but I got so slow. Like I got big and I was strong, mm -hmm. but I was slow. Yeah. I was slow cuz I was trying to actually play um play uh pro football. Oh, word. that was like my yeah. dream thing. Like I, that was my dream. Yeah, um, I come from a football family, so I'm well acquainted with like the two a days. Yeah, mentality, yeah. having all the eggs in there, and I'm like, God, eating, eating every like, yo. I think back to how much I used to eat compared to how much I eat now. Mm -mm. Man, like I used to be like all day I was eating. Y'all could feed countries the way y'all eat. It was just like it's ridiculous. Man, it's it's ridiculous. Crazy. And for me, it was kind of like, now that I look back, it was kind of counterproductive because I was eating so much because I wanted to get bigger. I wanted to be able to lift more. But then at the same time, I was putting on so much weight that it's like I wasn't really transferring it from just, you know, uh, fat to muscle yeah. fast enough. Mm. And that was the issue that I was going through because I was putting on weight, but it wasn't turning into muscle as fast as I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So that was my that was my uh, like my roadblock, and then um, I had a couple bad uh, bad tryouts, and I kind of just let that go. And then after I've let that go and and figure, okay, you know, I'm not gonna you know try to actually be a pro athlete anymore. Mm -hmm. Then um, working out two and three times a day and doing all the stuff I was doing, it really didn't you know didn't make sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, for your and lifestyle anymore. Exactly, and then yeah. especially now, I feel like, and maybe you can you know give me your opinion on it, but I feel like if I'm, you know, kind of at the weight I'm at now that I can kind of, uh, I can kind of move around different roles a little bit better. But in my head, when I was bigger, um, and I was getting ready to get into, um, into acting, I felt as though, okay, no, if I'm this big, you know, the only roles I'm going to get is for, you know, an athlete or a bodybuilder. And then mm -hmm. even, um, even doing work, um, I've seen that um, on some productions I've done that like all of the guys who are, you know, bigger and muscular, mm -hmm. they get all of the bodybuilding roles, yeah. all, all of those roles. And it's like, um, I didn't necessarily want to be pushed into that corner to, okay, this is all I'm going to get. And maybe that's, you know, ignorant of me to think, but that's no, what I thought. I don't think so. Because it looks matter. Like, this is Hollywood, you know? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like, they're looking at, like, what do you look like to them first? Before you open your mouth, because at the end of the day, it's just like where it's movie, it's moving pictures. Like, mm -hmm. what do I see in front of me? You know, like we're not in the theater where people are able to show like a different layer of themselves where they get up there and they're able to audition for something you would never have seen them for. And they're considered for that role seriously. Mm -hmm. And there is no like there might be an age range and like. Hey, like this, this is this type of character, this type of person, but it's way more um, flexible in the theater world than it is like Hollywood to me, unless you have somebody who's just like extremely daring and wants to go against the grain. But like for, you know, like general sake, like, no, like what you see is what you get. What you see is what you'll be casted as. So if you want to be considered for that, I would say take a picture, you know, have headshots that represent you at that 
you know, weight and that that space. But, you know, obviously you present as something else. So you have more, you know, like flexibility. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same with women, how we have to like change our hair. Like, you know, black women like, hey, this is me in my natural state. This is me with braids. This is me with a wig. This it's crazy <laughs> that like that you really have to do that though. Yeah. Like, you would think that, okay, this is me. If you want me with my hair out, okay, just tell me. If you no. want me in braids, just tell me like this stays the same. Like what's up here? No. It can change. They can't see it. And like honestly. That's surprising to me. Because they're not creative. Like come on. Like the people who are like I, the casting directors, there's no shade, but it's just like. There's only certain people who are really, as casting directors, looking like for a different layer and willing to work. Like at the end of the day, they're trying to get this role casted immediately. They're trying to make sure that the director is happy, that the producers are happy with the choice that mm -hmm. they presented. And if you don't present to them initially as the role, they can't fight for you because it's like, oh, da 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 da. It's just like they're not going to even consider you based off your headshot. You know, you're not going to be asked to come into the room. You know, and then when you get there and if you don't present as your headshot of what they expected you to look like, mm -hmm. what are they supposed to do with that? You know, this is it's not the industry. I feel like where a lot of people are trying to take chances and risk, like even think about the movies that we have out now, like we're doing a bunch of remakes, I you know, that. yeah, we're not trying yeah. to take a risk. No one is trying to take an artistic risk here. Like, very seldom and very, like, very few in between. Because there's a lot of remakes, and, like, that's something, too, that, like, I've noticed. And, honestly, um, I don't watch a lot of movies and, um, and a lot of um, TV shows that come out. Um, there are, there, there are, there is original programming coming out. And so, you know, I'm not trying to say that everything is a remake, but... Um, Seeing all the remakes come out made me like stop watching certain things, mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of movies, a lot of shows um, I haven't seen. And as an actor, sometimes I feel like that that's actually an advantage, um, at least for me, because I like to go into any project with the with the uh, with the blank slate. I like to be able to you know just see what the script is, and then I'll, you know, I'll give you what I have based off of, you know, what I read, um, mm -hmm. because I don't want to come in kind of, you know, piggybacking off of, you know, someone else's um, performance or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, but that's just me. Um, I do want to, uh, I do want to ask, though, real quick to kind of, cap off our conversation on on um, on health and wellness. Is there anything a part of that that you don't like? That you, you know, um, that you can't stand, but you know that, okay, in order to, you know, continue on this journey, that this is what I'm going to have to do? Um, like, I don't know if it's right to say I don't like it. It's just the, it's just a fact of life. Like, sugar is not my friend, you know? And I love sugar. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The other day, because, um, you know, I'll go in at like four in the morning and I had this hankering for an iced honey bun. See? Like I fell asleep that night mm. and I really wanted a honey bun, mm. but I was too lazy to get up and go get one. Mm -mm. So when I got up for work in the morning, you I'm like, you know one. what? I'm going to go get a honey Four in the morning. 
Four in the morning. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get me this honey bun. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was good, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's always going to hit. And that's the that's the problem with sugar. It it's just, it's addicting. It woke me up, too, because I was tired at first. Yeah. I ate that honey bun. Oh, I was on 10. Adrenaline rush. I was ready. At four in the morning, I was ready for anything. No, it's, to me, it's just like realizing that there's a lot that I used to like, like smoking. You know, it's just like it will never, like... For other people, okay. But for me, it just doesn't translate to, like, my lifestyle now. You know what's crazy? I used to smoke before I worked out. You know, like... All the time. I under, All the I, time. I have friends who told me that, too. And when I would have, like, my spurts of working out, like, yeah. in college, I would do the same thing. It, it was very, like... It felt like I was zoned out. It would help me. You know? And I was, like, really just... I felt like everything was, like slow motion but in the best way yeah like, i was able to do so much but i felt like i was just moving so slowly through it like it would help flowing. me lock in yeah i'll be so focused like everybody around me like i couldn't see them like yeah. i'm seeing what i'm doing and i'm listening to my music yeah. i'm like i'm up here yeah <laughs> I, like i can't do that now because it's just the the agitation for my throat like mm-hmm. it's very harsh but I love edibles, you know. I love a good Eddie, you know. Just pop a little Eddie before you work out, maybe. I haven't done that yet. I've done it after my workout, but I'm, I feel like I should try it beforehand just to just to see if it hits the same, you know. As a little, you never little know. Slip beforehand, you know. Edibles kick in too slow for me, so it's like I'd oh. be like halfway into my workout and then it hit, and then I'm like, damn. You gotta get you gotta get the nano effect, the nano effect one. It hits like literally within like five to ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so good. Oh man, um, man, I I can't thank you enough, you know, for all the information that you put out there already. Um, just kind of like a random thought that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, what are two or three of your go-to workout songs? So, like, maybe if somebody wants to add something new to their playlist, you know, to give them a little boost of motivation, what's, like, two or three of yours that you go to? Um, well, I'll just say currently because it just changes based on mood. But, like, for I've been in my female rap bag, so I've been listening to a lot of Ice Spice and Nicki. I love them. I love their collaboration. Uh, so Princess Diana, and then I really um, love like what other what other stuff I'm thinking about. Ken the Man, she has a few songs I can't think about like the exact song, but I just like how she has like consistent little bops, mm-hmm. really consistent bops. And then who's the third one I really have in my playlist a lot? Mm, Flo Millie pops up a lot for me too. Okay, I like her. She's like really spunky. Like sounds like little Susie Carmichael. She's got a little sass to her. She always has something fun, playful. So it's it's the girlies for me. I'm gonna have to get them a listen because I on my uh, on my workout playlist. I'm trying to think if I have any uh, any female artists on my workout playlist. I don't think I do. Mm. I'm not a sexist though. Oh. I'm not a sexist. Like I have a lot of females on like my um your wall here. Well, two. <laughs> Don't do me like that. <laughs> Don't do me like that. Don't do me like that. All these Don't men. Don't do me like that. Don't do me like that. But like for me, anytime I'm working out, like some some um some um NBA young boy always, you know, gets me a little hype. Uh, okay. Um um who else? A little bit of Kodak. Um I know that may be a little problematic, but no, Kodak yourself. in the gym, listen, 
goes Listen, off. Listen, goes off, goes off. Um, I've had you here for a little while. I don't want to hold you up that much longer, but I did have some closing questions that I want to ask. Um, who is your favorite actor and actress? Who? Okay, a favorite actor. I'll give you mine too. Okay, favorite actor would have to be. Mm, that's hard. That's really hard. Okay, I'm gonna say Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. <laughs> Had I... you seen none of my movies? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's amazing. Yo, and like. Respect to Samuel L. Jackson. If you hear this, man, you, man, I respect your work ethic. Um, you've been doing it for decades um, before great. I was even born. He looks amazing. Still. And you know what? Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's something about doing what your heart desires to do mm. and with your, you know, physical appearance because i feel like if you're stuck doing something that you don't want to do yeah it shows on the outside you know it shows right. if you're like you know i don't want to do this i don't feel like doing this but every day you go and do it you yeah. know because it's how you make your living or it's what you decided to do and like it shows but i feel like when you do things that you you know want to do and like express yourself you know like how you know how um how Sam Jackson, you know, you know, he just does his thing on screen. Um, but even other actors I'll see and like I'll notice how, you know, they'll still have that same look that I remember them having way back in the day when I first was introduced to them. Like, you know, mm -hmm. one that pops in my head immediately is like um Johnny Depp. Um yeah. he still has that same look that he had you know, way back when, and even like um, Leonardo DiCaprio, I remember when he was in, um, what's the movie where he played uh, uh old movie, he was a kid, um, I With think he was- Gilbert Grape? Bingo. Okay. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Like, even from that, and man, what's Ian Gilbert Grape? If, if you haven't seen that movie, it's a great movie, it's an awesome movie, um, check it out. But yeah, like, even from then until like now, you know, um, He's not a kid anymore, but he still has that same look. Like, he doesn't look like he's been, like, dragged through the mud, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's something about doing, you know, what your heart desires that actually, you know, can affect you physically. Well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Because Samuel Jackson looks amazing. And he also said something, too, about um, not letting things, like, um, rock him of his peace. Mm -hmm. You know? He's like, he leads a very peaceful life. He doesn't do stuff that he doesn't want to do. So I feel like that definitely goes into what you said. I could respect that. Yeah. I could respect that. Yeah. Man. I want to get to that space. Man. I'd be on the street if I did, if I just did what I just wanted to do. I have to still do things I don't necessarily care for right now. But we're gonna man, get there. We're gonna I, get there. I, I I pray, man. But for me, nice. my favorite actor would have to be Denzel. Um I haven't there's not one Denzel movie that I've you know watched and I didn't like. Um every Denzel movie I'll take something from. And one thing that I noticed watching Denzel and what actually made me want to actually be an actor is that I would notice that like in all his roles, all his roles, you know, they're different, but to me, they're the same. And I say that because it's him, you know, putting his reactions and his, you know, um, his feelings and his thoughts out there. You know, he's following the script, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's really him, you know. Every movie I see with Denzel, 
I see Denzel, you know, I, uh, I don't really necessarily see a different person. Like I'll see him and just him expressing himself in different ways. Same way with um, Samuel L. Jackson, like all of his, all of his roles, they'll all be different roles, yeah. but it'll still be him. You know, I think it's funny because like you're kind of hitting on like the problem that one of my favorite directors brought up, like Quentin Tarantino, about there not being movie stars. Like there's not people that we're just invested in seeing anymore. We're watching like the Marvel, no shade to Marvel because I really want to do a Marvel film one day. Like Mm -hmm. I've got a great idea for a script for Marvel. But like we're just more so interested in the franchise and the characters that are already built and not necessarily the actors and the movie stars that are attached. Because you used to go to a Nicolas Cage movie because it was Nicolas Cage. You know, I'm going to go see Demi, you know, like, you know, you have people who are like, I'm going to go see um, Julia Roberts and something because it's a Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. That's my girl. Yeah. Like real movie stars, like you're just going because of their name, like they're attached to something. Okay, I'll see that. But I'm really seeing it because of them, of them. I just like how they present on camera. Like, Drew Barrymore, like, to me, was one of the people who was just, like, an infectious personality that's just, like, I don't care what she's in. I just want to see her laugh and her smile because I just like how she just is on camera, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we – I feel like we would – if we had an opportunity for that, that would be amazing. I don't – because I don't think it's the actor's fault. It's, I feel like it's just the time period that we're in that people aren't trying to invest in, like, um, stars, you know? But sorry, that was a whole different tangent. You don't think so? No, I don't because we look at what we're promoting. We're promoting like franchises. We're promoting movies that are bigger than the actors. We have like all the Disney remakes. We have literally all the superhero movies. We're not watching the superhero movies because um, so-and-so is playing Batman. We're watching it because it's the Batman movie. You know, like that's kind of the age that we're in. We're not. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, I mean, if I'm offered a role... I'm going to play it, but I do feel what you're saying because, um, and that's going back to what I was saying earlier with there's so many remakes and not like, uh, I mean, no, there's original projects out there. There are, you know, Um, but what gets broadcast to, you know, millions around the world isn't always, you know, the original Projects. It'll be a project that okay is known to you know bring in you know big dollars. So right. we know that this film is gonna bring in money because it always has to bring in money. Right. Um. So it's like that. I don't necessarily like, but seeing certain actors in those roles, I still see them. Like, uh, what was the movie um where uh, Sam Jackson played uh Mr. Glass? What was the name of that movie? Mr. Glass. Yeah. Oh, The Incredibles. Was it The Incredibles? Uh, it might have been. It's the animation, right? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking about an animation. No, Is but he had. In the, in, in the Incredibles, he was the black uh, yes. superhero. He was. With Frozen Man, Frozen. Yeah, Frozo. Mr. Freeze or something like that. Yeah. yeah, okay. But no, I'm talking about a movie where um, it's recent too. Uh, I just can't think of the name of it, but, um, but uh, he played that character. Okay. But I still saw him, and I still, you know, and really. Anything that he'll be in. And so, like, I really like that about like, actors. But he's, like, a different, like, category in class, you know? He's a he's a stamp legend. So. Well, yeah, because he's been around for so long. Yeah, but... But when, even, like, Zendaya, like, she um, she does a lot and... Yeah, but she's in TV, though. True. You know? it's I'm talking about, like, the movie stars, you know? Okay, okay. And I would love to see Zendaya, like, take I look at it kind of... 
across the board. Because I feel like if you can do TV, you can do movies, you can do movies, you can do TV. If you can do theater, you can do everything. Yeah. Um, and I think you can, but I'm just saying, like, what she's really known for. Facts. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. just like, it, when she gets to that space where she's just known for her films and she's like that box office darling, then that's a different thing. You don't think she's already there? No, because she's in TV right now. Like, she's like, she's she draws in all that stuff with TV, but not... In the box office, she hasn't had an opportunity yet. Just the Spider Man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I don't consider that like her thing because it's, it's again Spider-Man. the yeah. the franchise. I yeah. want to see her carry her own. You know. True. 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 Um. Did you name who your favorite actress was? Oh no, I didn't. Um. I'm just gonna say Pam Grier because I already shouted her out and gave her love. Um. Just because I just love what she represents. Period. She was the first like woman to be doing it on screen, like, as far as action roles go. Like, I just think that she's just, like... Foxy Brown. Yeah, I think she's just so dope and badass. And, you know, her and Samuel Jackson did, like, one of my favorite movies, Jackie Brown. Sorry, mentioned Quentin Tarantino earlier. He's my favorite director, period. So, like, I think that that's just, like, yeah. Samuel Jackson, Jackie Brown, that's that. Or, or Pam Grier, you know. <laughs> there it is, there Brown. it is. Okay, um, well, that leads me to my next question. What is your dream opportunity that you would like to speak into existence today? Uh, it's funny you ask that. I thought about this, like, probably a month or so ago, and I've been, like, just, like, thinking about it. Like, yeah, that really would be nice. It would, it would be if, like, um, I wrote something that killed, that, um, that would, like, spark the interest of Quentin Tarantino to either like produce it, direct it would be insane, Mm -hmm. or just he saw it and he was just like interested in like helping me um, develop as a writer in some capacity or some type of mentorship role. Anything of that sort, like I'm kind of like loose with it because it's just like it's a very overwhelming thought to think like my favorite director would even care about something that I wrote. Um, so that's really where I've been at for Quentin Tarantino to care about something that I wrote and want to invest in me in some type of capacity. I'm just curious. Have you ever tried to send something to him? No, I haven't. Or like his company? Mm-mm. Okay. No. No. I should, though. Hey, I, I would, like, because I've, um, I've tried to send stuff, you know, to different people, you know, just, just... Off of ideas that I'll have, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, I want to work with this person or, you know, I want to do something with this person. Yeah. Like, for me, one of the dream opportunities that I want to do is I would like to play um, Will Smith. I would like to, uh, okay. when when the time comes to do his uh, biography, kind of like how they did with, you know, all the movies, you know, multiple mo- movies they'll do. About people, but right. I would like to do his. Okay. Um, I've always been a fan of Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, people who, people who have always commented and said that I favored him um, slightly. So mm-hmm. that's something that I would like to do. Either play him, uh, play uh, uh, Nipsey Hussle. I would do that role. Um, mm-hmm. Just to bring them to life because those are individuals who I like and who I followed. And so to play in, you know, um, Nipsey's gone. So I assume that that opportunity may come before a Will Smith movie because Will Smith is still making movies. So his story isn't over yet. Yeah. But um, those are two opportunities yeah. that I would like to do. Also, I know that the show is finished, but if Atlanta ever comes back, and you know, if Donald Glover ever restarts that, mm-hmm. I would like to, you know audition to play something on that because I think that 
the way that he put that show together is just mm-hmm. awesome. Um, all the characters have their own their own worlds that they're living in. And I think that it's just, you know, amazing how he did that. And I'm sad that he had to end it, but I hope he brings it back. Um, Last question I'll ask you, if you could go back and tell your younger self anything, what would it be? Mm, I think probably to care less, um, to not take everything so seriously. I think that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good advice for everybody because, um, and I spoke on this before, but but for me, I've I've always had a block because I was not now, but in the past, especially you know going through my teens, I was always even even my early twenties, I was always afraid to um, kind of be myself because at times you know. I would get in trouble for it, or I'll be, you know, um, told, you know, oh, you can't do this, or you can't say this, mm-hmm. and so that was my biggest thing. Like, okay, I was always confused by that. Like, okay, how can I? How can somebody tell me what I can and can't say? You know, if I'm not being, you know, blatantly disrespectful, you know. Right. So that was always a block for me. Um, but really, just you know, um, being myself and kind of just like letting my thoughts flow and being confident in, you know, what I had to say. Um, it held me up for a long time, so I feel, yeah. I feel what you're saying. I feel what you're saying. Man, thank you so much, Camille. I really appreciate all the time, all the information you gave us. Um, is there anything, before we wrap, is there anything you know that you have on your chest that you would like to you know tell the audience before we wrap up? Um, I'm just really grateful. I was just so impressed with this setup. I didn't know what I was going to come into, and I was just like... I'm just very impressed by um, your professionalism and for you even wanting me to be here. I feel very um, honored, shall I say, for this opportunity. So I just. I'm glad you came. Yeah. So if anything, I just want to leave everybody with, you know, a positive feeling of like, you can do it, you can get it, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, That's going to be. About a wrap on episode 19 of Acting on the Run. Oh, wait, real quick. Just in case she's listening. Just in case she's listening. I'm going to start the sentence and I'm going to let you finish. Nicki Minaj over. Oh, no, don't do that. Nicki Minaj over. Over no one. What? Over no one. What do you mean? Nicki Minaj over no one. I thought that was your girl. Exactly. She is... Nicki Minaj over everybody. Oh, no. Like, I'm just saying no one is over her. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Same thing. That's what I mean. Same thing. Same yeah, thing. No just in case she was listening. Just in case she gives it a listen. She already knows. Pull up in a monster automobile gangster with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, I'm in a tanga, color a Willy Wonka. You could be the king, but watch the queen conquer. <laughs> She's the queen. But thank you so much again, Camille. Um, if anybody wants to, uh, wants to, um, keep up with you and, you know, in your work, you know, cause I know that you said that you are, you know, working on a lot of different things to put out. Where can they, you know, follow you? Can they, um, you know, keep up with you on, uh, on yeah. social media or something like that? You can't, you know, they can't follow me anywhere. I only follow people I actually know in real life. So yeah, so sorry people, but maybe you'll hear about me one day making it big. And my name is Camille Thomas. So if you say my work, 
there you go. There you go. And that's it. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. I love you all. Peace. Peace.